Well, bonjourno me tacos, and welcome back to another crazy edition of Talk Murder to Me Worldwide. Tonight, we visit a petite but charming Italian city where an expert soap maker begins experimenting with more lively ingredients. And as for her victims, well, you know what they say here today... Gone tomato. So strap up your Prada high heels, pasta me the vino, and whatever you do, don't use the soap. Voglio vivere così, col sole in fronte. E felice canto beatamente. All right, guys, I hope that's better than my uh, usual playlist there. That song is by Christian De Sica, and the title is Voglio Viver Cosi. Maybe. I think you guys are going to absolutely love this story. So without any further ado, let's jump right into it. Tonight, I don't think we've ever went here before to do a killing, but we're going to a place that I've been once, and it goes very well with the wine that I'm drinking right now. Two Buck Chuck, Italy. Even though the wine is probably made in someone's basement. It is a California blend in its organic Two Buck Chuck. Thank you very much. We're doing a serial killer in Italy Ooh. Ah, which I've man. been once to Aviano, Aviano. Italia. I need to go to Italy. Am I the only one in this room who hasn't been? Probably. Aside from Hubble, yes. Freaking, the food is amazing. It is they amazing. hated us Americans, though. But I did enjoy me some Italy. Damn, I love the food. So good. What part of Italy? I can't pronounce it, but um, Corrigio. C O R R E. G-G-I-O, Correggio. So is there a, what city, is there like a major city that this is near? You know, is it What kinda... part of the boot? You're the geography expert. Well, I can tell you where some is of the Is it in the heel or the toe are. of the boot? Or in the the leg, you know, like is it in the calf? I don't know. Okay, Correggio is in right dead in the center of Italy. Okay. Here, let me show you a So maybe map. not terribly far from Rome. Did you know that Rome is its own country? Here is. Vatican no, City the Vatican is its own country. That's what I said. Country. Oh my God, please, Future John, just cut <laughs> no, that. No, I'm, not, I'm leaving yeah. that, dude. No, please. <laughs> so that's kind of near like um, Torino. No, that's a little bit further up north. Florence. Forenzi. I'm not going to lie. I don't really know where anything's at in Italy. I've been to Italy once and I'm not even sure where I went. So I know there's a lot of good painters there. And I read that Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci book, which is fucking excellent. The um, Da Vinci Code? No, Leonardo <laughs> da Vinci, the book, the biography. I no. did love me some Da Vinci Code though. Damn, I love that book. We're starting the story off with a woman tonight. I'm gonna show you a picture right now. And um if you're new here there's somewhere you can go online to see these, and I can't remember where it is. Talkmurder.com. That's correct. Murderpedia.com. Which I'm wearing <laughs> one of our new, our, our swags. That Ooh, I was going to ask you if that was new. This is this hot mess right now. <laughs> Her name is Leonarda hmm. Cianciuli. 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 Cianciuli? I don't know. Cianciuli. Cianciuli. So Leonardo right here, she's a mother. She's got four kids, but the oldest, which his name is fucking Giuseppe. 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 He's the oldest at 18. What time period do you think we're going to today? 1920s, based on that photo. We're going to September 30th, 1940. Okay. (laughs) A little behind on the times there. Giuseppe is 18 years old. That's the eldest son of Leonardo. We're starting this story off in the bathroom. She tells her 18-year-old son to strip down naked. This is the best way to start the story. Okay, I'm a little concerned at how we're starting here with this mother 
Well, she maybe he had blood on his clothes and she wanted to help him get away with the murder. This is the evening of September 30th, 1940. He's in the bathroom and she walks in and she's like, go ahead and and, you know, take your clothes off. I'm going to run you a a nice hot bath. And there's like one of those, you know, the bathtub with the claw legs. Clawfoot tub. Mm -hmm. Clawfoot tubs there. And she's like, well, mom, you know, I can do this myself. I mean, they were speaking Italian, which I don't know how to do that. Mama. Mama, I can do this myself. Can you go make me some meatballs? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, no, but I can see your meatballs. <laughs> oh, God. So she's like, she's like, take your robe off and get in the tub. I'm going to wash you. And this is, they've never done this before. I mean, he's 18 years old. And when he, oh, I mean, like she probably did that for him when he was a baby. Yeah, when a baby, but now he's 18 years old. It's like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah, little different. Well, little I mean, their culture is different than ours is, but even still, I feel like, yeah, that's not cool. So after he tried to resist, he finally takes his clothes off. Now he's covering his little private parts, and he's like, you know, being all shy. Well, I don't blame him in this case, but he's being all shy, and the mother's like. That's nothing I haven't seen before, son. I've seen that thing many and many of times. Now go ahead and I'm, get in I'm the sure bathtub. I'm sure it looks a lot different, or at least I hope it looks a lot different. To so he just goes along with it. And this one incident right here is going to cause strain on the relationship. Because like I said, he's 18 and she hasn't bathed him since he was like three. It's like really weird. So oh, he yeah. gets in the bathtub and he tries to sink down low to the bottom so she can't see, you know, his penis. Because it's weird. Yes. She takes a bar of soap and she starts lathering him. Why are y'all looking at me this like that? This is so, <laughs> this is weird. I mean, I'm Wait. sorry. I'm yeah, like, for, where first, is this first going? First we don't get a hint and now you're starting the story with like this really strange it's like this tale. Oedip- maybe I read Oedipus a, complex, you know. Maybe I read a porno mag instead of. Yeah, is this, <laughs> is this talk murdered to me or is this. Okay, he gets in the tub and he's kind of slink. He kind of. Lowers his body down so his mother doesn't see his genitalia mm-hmm. in the tub. And she starts lathering him up with this soap. Now, she's a soap maker. Okay. That's her job. She makes his soap. So, it's basically, she just wants to weird, okay? test her product. T- but, test her product. But still, but, he, he could have been clothed or she didn't need to be present or yeah. she could have tested on herself. I know, but like or, she needs you know, a, you a know, man her age that's not her son. But okay. They call it market research. Okay. Is when you go test a product right. in the marketplace. Right. So she's lathering them all up and everything like that. So from this point on, there's going to be tension within the relationship. Follow with me. I know I'm jumping around, but that is at the point of after all the murders of tonight's story. The mom place. is a murderer? The last murder that happened was in the morning time. So the okay. bath is in the evening when everyone's going to bed. It's like 8 p.m. You know, he's getting home because he's a recruit in the army. So he's World you War know, II's going on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's going to come into play. But so he's getting ready for bed. It's the nighttime. Now we're jumping back a little bit. Stay with me to the morning of that same day, September 30th, 1940. Okay. Okay. The mother is a soap maker and she's very successful in this little town of Corrigio. This lady right here that you're looking at right now, her name is Virginia Casipio. Casipo. Fuck, I don't know. Cacipio. Fuck, I don't know. I can't pronounce How do you his spell name. Probably Casipio. I'm just doing the first right. names from now on. This lady is Virginia. She is a former soprano. She actually sang at the famous opera house, um, the La Scala in Milan. It's like a really famous opera house. That's a big deal. But this was kind of in her younger days. You look at the picture here. She looks like 55. Well, she's not that old. She's she's younger than the mother. So she's probably 40. Yeah, 35, 40 ish. She's got a lot of makeup on there. She doesn't sing anymore in the opera. And even though she is sort of wealthy, as you can see by her clothes, you can kind of tell she's all made up. Her hair's pretty. Mm -hmm. She's sort of wealthy, but um, she doesn't have a husband anymore. She's a widow. And that wealth is kind of dwindling down a little bit. She has Mm -hmm. bonds, war bonds and all this stuff that she could cash in. And she's got a pretty big nest egg. Okay, But she's not really wealthy. And. The reason I'm saying that is because she actually became really best friends with Leonardo. And Leonardo, as you'll hear in a second, she's like a counselor 
well, not really counselor. Let's call her a fortune teller. Okay. In mm. Italy during this time, as we'll get into it in a little bit, there's like paganism and all this stuff. And everyone believed in fortune telling hmm. over there, like a lot. Really? So, and she was actually a really good fortune teller as well as a really good soap maker. Interesting. So people would come to her, to her home and her soap making business, not only to buy soap and candles, but also to get advice. Hmm. So she came to her. I'm sure they added, since it's Italy, I'm sure there was a pretty big Catholic twist to it. Oh, yeah. They're, so they're all Catholics in here. That's like, you, I guess you have to be Catholic to be in Italy. I mean, you got it, the Vatican right there. Yeah. I mean, Lots can you imagine a Baptist running around Italy? Well, I, I don't think there are those there. <laughs> trying to promote his... <laughs> oh, yeah, the thing. It, yeah, big, big, big Catholic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those are my peeps. Yeah, that's true. Jen's, you're a Catholic. No, ain't nothing wrong with that. Besides the whole Pope thing and the children. <laughs> well, that wasn't the Pope per se. But that was a lot of other people. Jen, I have personally not done a lot of Pope stories for you. I mean, to be completely <laughs> honest, a lot of Pope popes stories. out there that murder people. Oh, well, oh, sure. Well, I mean, hey, you know what? Like, I'm not a Pope. So you can tell a Pope story. Like, if you're telling a historical event, it's not going to offend me. Virginia goes to Leonardo and it's not like she straight asked her for this, but Leonardo's like, you'll never, ever believe this, girlfriend. And she's <laughs> like, what? I totes got you a new job. What? Okay. <laughs> but in Italian. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The new job is actually working for an impresario, which is like a wealthy financier. Oh. You hear that term on Narcos, I believe. They still use that term. Never oh. saw Narcos. Impresario. Oh, that's a good show. Basically, an impresario is like a wealthy type of investor. And what do those investors do with all their money? Especially in Italy. Fucking art, right? That's like huge over there. Oh, sure. So what this guy wanted to do is hire a secretary. But this guy is wealthy. He's like uh, Peter Thiel and all those billionaire assholes, right? Sure. So he's wealthy and with wealth comes secrets. So you want to hire this secretary because you've seen her sing before in at the famous opera house mm -hmm. and you've always had your eye on her. Now you finally got in contact with her. You want to hire her to be your personal secretary to come set up all these art shows and maybe sing a little bit, yeah. entertain the crowd. She's and got an air prominence to her. Exactly. And it's important to know that she's actually from the higher class social class right. in Italy. Not the highest, highest, but she's up there. Yeah. She's probably like a pseudo celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. She is. And and she's very loved by everyone. Mm -hmm. All right. But this whole transaction has got to be secret. She understands that because it's a wealthy guy and he wants to do everything in secret. Mm -hmm. I'm nodding along like I know exactly what it is to be wealthy with lots of secrets, but go on. He... What you can be wealthy with lots of secrets as easily as you can be poor with lots of secrets. True, true. Like me. She said that this impresario lives right outside of Florence, and she told her, listen, on September 30th, you need to be here in the morning with your bags packed. And what you're going to do is write a bunch of letters to all your friends and family, because here's how it is. Oh, you just try to make something of yourself. You want to move on with your life and all your friends and family are trying to hold you back and say, no, don't do that. Maybe you should think it over. Bullshit. You need to just go take the leap of faith and then you can send them all them postcards and, and tell them all this stuff later. You know what I'm saying? You don't want any negativity. So you just jump for it. Mm -hmm. So September 30th, her bags are packed, ready to go. All right. Early morning comes. She walks into the soap shop. It's very unusual, she thinks, that there's nobody in there yet. Mm. Because usually, if not customers, like this is a very, like her soap shop is popping all the time. Everyone wants her soap. I'm surprised all the time. it still would be during the war, actually. Well, it's before the war. It's 1940. 1941 was when Pearl Harbor happened. Yeah, the war had already started in Europe. Yeah, the war started. So, oh, sorry, I, I don't I know thinking, much about it. I mean, it didn't start for us technically. Okay, until I, I don't know much about it, but 
the war the war has started in Europe, but Italy wasn't in the war. So around this time, they signed a non-aggression pact with Germany. Right, because of Mussolini. Because right. of Mussolini was running things. Now Mussolini recruited a lot of a lot of soldiers mm-hmm. to go and fight this glorious war, and mm-hmm. that was what her son was doing. Gotcha. But it was basically going to be a slaughter campaign because Italy, you know, cannot stand up to the other powers of the the war. You know what I'm the saying? Axis like they powers. would, they, yeah, they'd get fucking slaughtered. But Hitler apparently was butt buddies with Mussolini. Yes, but in my opinion, eventually Germany would have took taken Italy, just like yeah. they were taking everything else. Like, Sorry for my American centric dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. it's a date that is lives in infamy. Well, yeah, you know? I mean, I never took like European history in high school or college, so. It's very unusual that there's no one in the store. Usually all the kids and the families run around and there's always something at the Leonardo house. But the husband wasn't there or anything. So Leonardo, she's like, listen, I know, girl, girl, I'm so happy for you. But I know this is going to be stressful, honey bunny. Listen, mm-hmm. you got this big opportunity. You need to calm your, your beans. You need to cool those beans, baby girl. And how to do that is to drink some of this wine. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the little bitterness of the wine. It's not drugged. Totes drugged. <laughs> is this financier guy? This might you might not know this, but is he uh a sing- is he single and she's trying to use this secretary job? That's to- a great question. This financier guy that I'm talking about. Uh, doesn't actually exist. Ah. <laughs> oh, so this is the original catfish. Oh, shit. Yeah. The Pivard the thickens. The very first catfish. <laughs> okay. The that glass should be the title. Of, the glass of wine hits her. Now, she refused at first. She's like, I, no, I don't, I'm not even a drinker. I don't drink wine. And she's like, please, it'll help me. This is our toast. The last time I may ever see you again. We're best friends. Wow. Talk about peer pressure. Okay. I'll drink this wine. She drinks it. And immediately she starts, you know, getting kind of sluggish. Her movements kind of get sort of lang- languish. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she starts falling a little sleep and everything else. And then she looks over and Leonardo has disappeared. She's not sitting across the table like she was. And then she kind of turns to her right and, oh my God, is she is she going through my purse right now? No. And then she comes up behind her and she's like, I know it's getting a little hot in here. Let me take off that nice fur jacket. It's getting hot. Because I don't in want here. you to, you know, bleed all over this fucking thing. It's so like, let's take off your fur. It's nice beaver fur. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Now this is I am getting so hot. You better take my fur off. Okay, this is from the book The Curse by a by Ryan Green. He's kind of the, one of the new and up and coming crime mm. authors. I feel like we've used a book of his before, mayhaps. She swung again, splitting arm from torso <gasps> in a gruesome <gasps> rush of red. Then again on the other side, her arms ached, and each impact sent a painful shudder up to her shoulders, yet she didn't stop. She was gasping for air through her mouth once more, desperately trying to avoid the cloying scent of death and sobbing between each swing of the axe. Okay, she picks this axe up, which I'll show you the axe in a minute, and she slices it right down and the first the first swing hits her right in the shoulder blade because she's done this twice before she knows not to go straight down on the head like the other times uh oh because if you go straight like on the, the head the other times the other times she's done this is her third one she also knows if you go straight for the shoulder blade the process is quicker it's like cutting wood right you have a tree out there and you got to cut it into pieces so you can make firewood i mean you have a human body you know you got to cut it into pieces right jen right so the yeah. shoulder you know you're you're yeah, trying you're to get already, the joint already right. cutting the arm off that's basically the right, uh, right, right. premise there she goes to virginia's trunk and she brought this big trunk with her she gets the lire which is 50,000 lire which i don't know what that is in today's standards she gets all the whatever else out and she gets a very expensive bottle of perfume now remember Hmm. this girl's remember this girl came from wealth and she dumps it into this pot here's the pot right here a chamber pot go talk more.com to see that and then she um with the body parts 
this is her words right here from the police statement. She ended up in the pot. Her flesh was fat and white. And when it had melted, I added a bottle of cologne. And after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. Now, let's go back to when she was uh, using the soap on her son later that night. Uh, <laughs> no! <laughs> Is it oh, the... Um, Have so, you ever seen Fight Club? Yes. You remember Tyler Durden and his soap? And how Tyler, Tyler Durden wasn't real. Spoiler alert. Sorry, I should probably say spoiler alert first. No, Tyler Durden was making the soap. So tonight we're talking about the serial killer Leonardo... Cianzuli, and I probably pronounced her name wrong, but she is the soap maker of Correggio. Correggio. She basically these stories. She chops you up, she Sweeney Todd you, and she makes you into this nice, delectable soap that you can just rub all over and get that tingly feeling. Um, what is the so? Is the soap made from the fat, the fat or the yeah, marrow? Yeah. It's made from fat, which she notices now. This. Virginia is more plump than the other girls, mm -hmm. and she notices the soap is the finest she's ever made. People will come guys, before this specific. You make some excellent soap. That's what I was going to say. Do I need to be concerned? Before this batch is completely given away to friends and family and even sold, they were like, this is the best soap ever. My skin is hmm. so smooth. All of Italy was raving over this soap. Hmm. I mean, if she had an Amazon page, it'd have like 50,000 five-star hmm. reviews. Okay. And it's interesting that even if, so while we talked about like Italy wasn't really in, involved in the war at this point, I mean, they were kind of, but um, she wouldn't have to worry about having a hard time getting the ingredients because she's just she's able to get it herself. All right. Let me talk about Leonardo. And her background. She was actually born in Montella, South Italy, November 14th, 1893. Now, usually I don't go into too much of the parent story, but it's very important in this story because she was born out of hatred. Oh. Yeah. Uh. And as you remember, this is, but this is during the paganism outbreak and all these heathens that aren't following the strict Catholicism and its tenets. The mother, Amelia Di Nolfi, she's very, very charming. She actually came from a very prominent family. Mm -hmm. Okay. They had servants. She oh. never cooked, cleaned, or anything. She was born into wealth. The mother, not Leonardo, the mother. Okay, so in this time, and probably even now, just is not as public is is a social status. She was high in the social status. Okay. She didn't do her own chores. She had servants. She would attend these extravagant balls, drink the finest wine, meet all the poets, meet the artists. She was just born in luxury and wealth. Sweet deal. Very sweet deal. But she met a guy, and I'm going to tell you how in a second. The father's Name was Mariano. Complete opposite. Opposite spectrum. Okay. So poor. Literally poor. Not even like getting by. He's a pauper. In She's rebelling. In destitution. He's older than her. Way older. He's very cruel. He comes from a very oh. low. He comes from a low social status. So how did they get involved? They would never be allowed to be in the same premise. There's no place in the public system where they would actually be able to meet. She was at this very expensive ball. She was actually with a suitor. Mm -hmm. You know, the mother has set up, okay, this guy comes from a nobleman, yada, yada, yada. You know, go right. impress him, show him the titties, all that stuff. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> when she leaves this ball, this guy Mariano has actually been following her for a few weeks without her knowing. So it's like the opposite of Cinderella. Yeah. And his intention is not to, you know, win her over 
like in those Aladdin movies or whatever, where it's all romantic. His intention was to ruin her and ruin her high status. Oh. Because he is poor and from destitution. And he's looking at all these wealthy people that aren't living on the streets that are getting fed all this elegant meals and throwing half of it away. So he's like, my wine is not bitter enough. Please return it to the grapes or whatever. So he's all pissed off. So he sees her and he's like, you know, I'm a fucking ruin that bitch in hmm. quote. Was he attractive enough to like, no, he's fucking ugly. He was ugly. He's ugly. How did he manage to pull this shit out? I'm going to tell you what. So she's at this ball with a suitor and she walks home alone. Uh oh. And he's there and it's at nighttime. He bangs her over the head, drags her off into the field like some caveman shit and rapes her and leaves her there basically to die. Well, that's one way to ruin someone is to just, you know, murder them. But she didn't die. Yeah, I know. But like that was his intent. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't die. That's correct. Here's the thing. She is 16 years old at this point. Going okay. on 17? She is in the process of meeting suitors because, like I said, it's not it's not like Tinder or whatever. Like, her parents set her up with right. potential suitors because they want to marry in the same class. Right. right. It's got to be. They got to be. You know what I'm saying? So, she keeps it a secret because she's not pure anymore. You know, she's not a virgin. Yeah. Especially in Catholicism. You know, at that time, you're considered unpure. You're wearing the off-white wedding dress. You know, unlike Nicole's wedding dress, which is going to be pure white. because Obviously. Obviously. 100%. We have not touched each other. So she doesn't say anything. But the months go by. She's grown a little. She's got a little bump. Uh, The bump starts growing. And then the family's like, okay, you need to confess. So she does. She says everything that happened. I got raped. This guy. And they they pass each other now. Like, it's this weird tension because he's thinking, oh, she's going to turn me into the police any minute now. And she never does. The family basically says, okay, you're not pure anymore. This is going to impact your oh. social status. You have to get married right now to that guy. <gasps> we got to do a hurried wedding so no one knows that you had sexual intercourse before oh. you got married. So Couldn't he, they be like normal parents back in the day and like, you know, hide it, hide the pregnancy and surprise the parents ended up having another kid? You know, like that's some more would have been more common. But man, they were well. Maybe in America, but this is Italy. They got married, and he was a drunk. He was an alcoholic. He didn't have a job. Okay, and he's evil. And he's evil. The family, her family. This is like out of a like fairy tale gone wrong. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, it's anti Cinderella. <laughs> her her family completely anti Prince Charming. What's the her, opposite word of charming? Her family completely kicks her out of the family, and mm. her husband. They don't even talk to her anymore. You're on your own. You, this was your fault. You shouldn't have got raped. Deal with it. We're not giving you any support. I don't even want you to be associated with me. You need to change your name. I don't even want this a part of my our family history anymore. Okay, done with the family forever. So the wife, the new wife, and the rapist are married. They move in together to the shitty fucking apartment. And they jump from apartment to apartment to apartment because he doesn't pay rent. He doesn't have a job. And she's getting beat every night. Okay, she's pregnant with Leonardo. Mm-hmm. Okay, and to the worst guy ever, she gets beat because she doesn't keep the house clean, even though she's never cleaned in her life. She's always had like indentured servants to do that. This is really sad. Yeah. So Leonardo is born on November 14th, 1893. Leonardo was born out of, you know, a rape mm-hmm. and all this shit. The mother's getting beat. All of this frustration that she can't send back to the husband is going straight to the daughter. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like everything's going straight to the daughter. They're actually living off donations from the church. So she has to go and get donations from the church and he just spends it on drinking and he won't come home for weeks and weeks and weeks sometimes. 
The husband actually goes off to another drinking binge and gets a fever, like a, one of those uh, black plague fevers Yellow or whatever. fever. Fucking like Spanish flu type shit. Coronavirus. And since he's poor, he can't get any help. And no one gives a shit because he's a alcoholic yeah. pauper. And so it's he, also the 1800s, so medicine was not as advanced as it is today. He dies basically in the bar. Well, that's probably a good outcome. Yeah, she was actually very excited about that. In fact, she spits on his grave at the funeral. Hell wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, she actually married someone really quickly out of that. That came from moderate wealth and he he wasn't rich. He was a like a, a clerk for mm-hmm. a government position. But he really loved her. He took really good care of her and everything else because she's going through all this stuff. And you see she's going to have some emotional problems, obviously. But so she did remarry. Let me talk about Leonardo. She got all this negative energy. At 12 years old, the family's living in this little farmhouse. She ties some dirty bed sheets up to the rafters of the barn and she tries to hang herself. Oh, At 12. No. 12 years old. This is Leonardo. This is a killer. This is heartbreaking. She jumps off the um, stool, and the noose actually breaks, but it crushes her larynx, and she can't talk for months. Wow. Okay, she tries again at 13. No. Same thing. Fate intervened, didn't kill herself. Not only that, she tried to commit suicide and didn't work. The mother didn't care at all. She's like, "Ah, whatever, you know? She just didn't care. I mean, well, it's a, it's unfortunate, but I'm I'm sure the daughter was a reminder of what happened. Oh to, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's exactly just... what it was. It's like every time she sees her daughter, she thinks of that alcoholic that raped her. Yeah, you know, when she was 16 and she was about to marry into a life of wealth and prominence, and now this asshole just ruined everything. That's yeah. that's the daughter that because came had out she of that not shit. gotten pregnant from exactly, that instance, yeah. no one would have known. Yeah. Right? Leonardo, when she grows up, she actually becomes kind of a looker. And the mother has not been spending, has not been sending any love to her, spending any time with her. But when she starts, you know, plumping out a little bit and getting kind of hot and noticing looking for love in all the wrong places, noticing all these other guys start to get attracted to her. It kind of brings her back to what she was, you Mm. know, getting all these suitors and everything else. Now she's taking an interest in uh, Leonardo. Because Leonardo could potentially move them up a, a level yeah, of social Yeah, she was going to move them up a social status. Because she could marry into high wealth. Right. Because she was a looker. And I, was, I know, Hubble. Here, it's exhausting. You saw a picture of Leonardo. I mean... Yeah, she wasn't bad looking. She was pretty. Uh, I don't know. For an Italian. Uh, not to say that Italians are not. Like, yeah. she, she's, it's, she has very, very prominent Italian genes, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like, she... I feel like back then she would be very beautiful as an Italian woman. Yeah. A few more beers. Yeah. (laughs) A few more beers. (laughs) Okay. So instead of marrying into a very wealthy, prominent family, because her mother was trying to set her up with suitors. Right. She marries this guy. His name is Raphael Pansardi. Yeah, now, he's not bad looking either. I mean, he's not the best looking. Well, but. He's not bad looking, and but he's a really good guy. He actually really loves Leonardo. Oh. And she, as you'll see, is very eccentric. She has these quirks about her that no one will be able to put up with. Hmm. You know, I barely put up with Nicole's, but this is like oh, on a different yeah. level. Yeah, you're a saint. <laughs> What Quirks? can I say? I, I mean, here's here's my thing. Like future future person, I am very quirky. But there's like everyone's weird, Jen. You just have to find somebody that you're comfortable enough to be really weird with. I didn't say I was weird. I said I was quirky. Everybody's weird. So this guy right here, he loved her, and she loved him as well. But the mother didn't approve because this <laughs> he guy wasn't high enough. Yeah, not even close. Because I mean, he's I basically high. on the same status as they are. You know, oh yeah, not and she she was getting some suitors that were far above, mm. but they did love each other. But here is the thing that you need to listen to. This is very very important, very 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 important. This one word is going to define the entire rest of this episode. What's that? The mother not only did not attend a wedding, mm. but she put a curse, c u r s e, on the marriage and on her daughter. Now, this was during the paganism era where curses actually meant something. Basically, if you were cursed and you grew up kind of as a pagan, Mm 
Mm-hmm. That shit held a lot of water. Her curse was basically that she was going to live a life of grief, of sorrow. She's going to outlive her kids, all this stuff. Like the mother really put that curse on her. So that thing's in in her head. stone right now. Like that's the word. Word up. Like that's it. After they got married and after this curse, she started experiencing these fits of seizures, depression, epilepsy, high anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would literally seize up and have these like epileptic seizures, mm-hmm. you know, these fits of whatever, hysteria. This was all attributed to the curse. The curse. In her head, that was the reason this all started is because of the curse. Right. Now, if it's that easy, can one of you guys please put like an an anti-curse on me that's like, Jen, you will find your partner and be happy and live wealthily and whatever. She goes to a fortune teller. And this story would probably not even be talked about if she stayed away from these fucking fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. But this fortune teller tells her basically the same thing. The curse is real. You're going to live a life of grief, sorrow, and she's going to outlive all of her kids. If you want to read this, Nequise, this is from the Baltimore Sun, Sunday, April 28th, 1946. Ooh. The Gypsy Prophecy. In it, the reader learned that while still a young girl in a town in southern Italy, she met a gypsy who prophesied she would have a tragic future. The voice of doom deeply agitated the girl, who at the time was already showing subnormal tendencies. As an example, in a moment of exultation, she pulled several of her teeth and, repeating an ancient rite, burned them before an image of the Madonna. Mm-mm, no, you don't. You I didn't don't. even know Madonna was alive back then. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, what's uh, up with it? Uh, <laughs> that was bad, John. Because out of all of my saints, Mary is my favorite. But I do have to say, like, as a Catholic, we're not supposed to... Um, partake in the supernatural or like card reading and tarot and palm reading and all that and all that stuff like but he did say that that was back then because of the time period like saints and those types of rituals were you know it's kind of like christmas being on december 25th it's because of the sun holiday you know like they kind of technically speaking what they say is because december is the darkest time of the year and jesus is the light of the world so like that's when yeah and it's because there was this, jesus holi- wasn't this born pagan on holiday Jan- that was the biggest holiday of the year jesus wasn't even easier. born on december 25th we know that why do people think that you know even though i'm catholic and i'm not supposed to do this stuff i kind of like want to go to a psychic and and like just see what they have to say and be like, no, you're wrong. Can I have my money back, please? But at the same or time, it gets in your head and the psychic is going to tell you you're going to have a terrible life and you're going to outlive all of your children yeah. and you're going to be a murderer. And then you're like, oh, my God, like I the, guess the I'm going to be a murderer. And then you start murdering. Yeah, people. but no. But here's the thing is it's that like the, the secret, psychic, Jen. the psychic will tell me. You're going to have a terrible life and you're going to be barren and you're not going to have any children or a partner. I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you're exactly right. How much money can I give you? Please take my money. 1922. This curse takes its full position. I'm a curse and I'm going to curse you. That was stupid. 1922. She gives birth to her oldest son, Giuseppe. Which Giuseppe, actually, Giuseppe. 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 Make me some meatballs, mama. Gelato. Gelato. Beard cats. She gives birth to her oldest son, Gelato, and he actually... <laughs> <laughs> okay. He actually survives the curse. Mm-hmm. So in her head, she's like, wow, this is the one. The one that survived the curse so far, like my savior, like she lashed the second coming of Christ. She latched on to this kid, you know, like it was nobody's business. Mm -hmm. I mean, overly helicopter mom, a hundo percent, like crazy. In her total life, from one newspaper I read, 17 children and only four of these children actually survived. So wow. she had miscarriage after miscarriage after miscarriage. One of the boys, uh, excuse me, one of the girls died of lung 
uh, trouble. One of the boys died because he had like measles problems, stuff like that. So, so how many of the children did she actually carry she to had term? Four, she had 17 children from one report that I read, and only four of those lasted past year number three. Wow. So they are they all weren't miscarriages, but they would last. Some were born, uh, but they died very exactly, young. Exactly, eighteen yeah. months later, whatever. So mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. in her head, she is thinking this is the curse, right? You not knowing that. I mean, back in when there wasn't vaccines, vaccines, shit like that. There was a lot of that stuff. Not only that, she was giving. She was having these miscarriages, most likely because she was having these epileptic seizures and fits of anxiety and stuff. I mean, she was her body was, you know, and in Mm. her head, she thought it was a curse. But the husband still put up with it. He loved her, which is cute. But, you know, I would have dumped her. She actually gets a job. (laughs) You're so supportive. I'm just kidding. She actually gets a job at the bank. At the local bank, at this time, women didn't really have real jobs back then. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you could be a secretary or a clerk or whatever, but it was mostly a male-dominated society. Right. But she had to bring in money for all these babies she was having. So she actually got a job at this local bank. And it wasn't during business hours. The Basically, the bank closes at night, and then she is all alone cleaning the bank and the bank for some reason they didn't want to buy cleaning products so she had to make her own soap soap and cleaning products that's where she got that talent to actually create these soaps she would put anything in these things i mean she would she'd find a dead animal carcass on the road and she Hmm. would mix the iron and the blood in the solution of whatever and this place would be spotless Okay, she became an expert soap maker. Hmm. You know, we have soap making classes at our school, and I'm pretty sure that we only use goat's milk and not like goat's milk, (laughs) a carcass. (laughs) I know back in the day, candles were made with whale fat. Yes, blubber. And you know what? Actually, it wasn't necessarily the blubber. It was the, um, oh, there was a term for the oil, the oil they used to make the candles. Ooh. I really feel like a really bad New Bedfordian because that was a lot. The whaling industry came through New Bedford, which yeah, is my all hometown. Yeah, you fucking slaughtered all these innocent whales. We Thanks were the richest lot, country assholes. in the world at one point. Yeah, you're rich, fucking killing all these harmless whales. Yeah. Let's put yourself in her head. This curse is trying to completely take over her life. Or she's letting She it, needs you know? financial stability. She needs Don't a savings. All? She needs a nest egg. She yep. needs something to fall back on. She needs security. She can't have that with his meager wages, even at the bank, making meager wages. And the husband making meager wages. They're bringing enough to survive, but they're not bringing enough to save. Right. Uh, you know, Delato needs a lot of support. Now <laughs> Giuseppe. That he's, Giuseppe. He needs a lot of support now that he's getting you know older. She decided to create a fake account using the bank ledgers. And siphon siphon a little bit of money off for herself. Mm-hmm. But she's not a mastermind. It was like immediately noticed. Mm. She gets arrested. Oh. And the husband's like, what the fuck? I had no idea that she was doing this. And the husband actually claimed to one reporter that, quote, she was seized by madness and that well. she acted alone. I mean, because they thought the husband was in on it. She got sent to a nunnery for 18 months. Woof. I know, right? With all these fucking nuns. Fucking crazy. 18 months she gets released. Now, they actually moved to Lacedonia. They had a small home overlooking the Asento River, and it was actually a really nice spot. She goes to a fortune teller. Again, she goes to a fortune teller. She needs Mm -hmm. to stop going to these fucking fortune tellers. Yeah, she's wasting her money. And this fortune teller is rubbing this ball. Crystal ball? Crystal ball, you know. She's rubbing this ball. And she's like, I see in your future. And she looks in one hand, in this hand, I see your future as prison. Hmm. And then she opens her other hand, in this hand, I see your future as a mental asylum. Oh, there you go. Well, that's where's my money. (laughs) That was her fortune. Do you guys remember those lawn ornaments that was like the the balls on top of the pillars, Mm -hmm. like? Those don't really exist anymore. Like, what was the purpose of that? 
I don't know. But, you know, they were a thing back when we were young. Now, this is the actual point where her whole life turns around. She's out of prison. She actually, her husband gets a really nice job, making good money. Everything is working out wonderfully. Right. Mm-hmm. She takes this little room in the house and makes it a soap shop. And using her talent from when she worked in the bank, she was successful right off the bat. Hmm. And her product was going all over Italy. Making some honest money. Always sold out. Yeah, this is before she started putting human fat into the soap. Gotcha. She also started fortune telling because she's so good at it. Remember? And she likes all this uh, mystic type of stuff. Yeah. She might not be good at it, but she's interested. These travelers would come. They would come and they didn't have money to buy her soap, even though they wanted it. It's the best soap in Italy. The best motherfucking soap because she wasn't just going to give you dove soap like she makes her own out of stuff that she finds, you know, the dead. This is Dead Sea salts and all that, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, at the yeah. Mall. yeah, I buy that stuff. So she makes all this stuff, you know, from the best ingredients and everyone loves it. OK, so they started giving her these books on mysticism and paganism and occult and black magic and witchcraft, and all this stuff in exchange for this soap. And she starts reading this shit and she's already mm. got this mind. Remember, she's still the curse. She hasn't beaten the curse yet. It's curse still is very there. much real. It's very much real, even though she's doing a lot better. The curse is still there. She can tell. She can feel it. Right. So she started reading all this stuff. Now she's offering another part to her business, which is fortune telling and advice giving. Oh, oh so she's right. telling fortunes now. It's like Ask Alice. Yeah. And I, I want to throw in one other thing. She did offer another segment of the business. For instance, uh, one local girl found herself pregnant and she actually went to Leonardo and she's like, don't worry, sweetie, just drink this tea. And oh, it shit. actually yeah. quote, removed the baby. Oh, dear. Yeah. And mm-hmm. she also had a, uh, a a potion that will restore men's vigor. A little get your mm. wiener all hard. Yeah. Love potion number nine. Hmm? Everything's going good. Everything in her life. But then tragedy strikes. Giuseppe joins the army. Mm. Okay. He joins the army. Gasp. Giuseppe is the one that beat the curse so far. She thinks in her mind that the curse ultimately is going to take her most beloved son away from her. Mm -hmm. And it's going to take him away in the battle zone. Giuseppe, I mean, he is the one. But he joins the army and he doesn't even tell his mother. In fact, she's walking through town doing the market, getting the cucumbers in a basket and stuff like that. And then people are like... Oh, I'm so glad your son joined the army. Like, you know, you must be so proud. You must be so proud. And she's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now in her mind, she's like the curse is trying to take my son away and he's going to kill him. The curse is going to kill him on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So I need to dive into these books. And for one month, she spent time doing nothing else but reading these occult books. She found a spell to protect Giuseppe using what the alchemist Call and still used today called the law of equivalent exchange. So the law of attraction? Do you want to take a guess at what that is, Nikwiz? The law of equivalent exchange? Every action has its equal opposite reaction? The law of equivalent exchange is basically to get something, you have to provide something of very equal value. Mm. So to protect Giuseppe, which is this... An 18-year-old hunk, you know, this sex... What's the guy's name from The Notebook? Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling hunk that's joined the army mm-hmm. that's going to die over there because all those guys in the... die Half of them die, right? But to protect him, she's going to have to Kill bring something else. else into the table. That's when the murders start a month later. The, the potion that she decided to use... To, pr- to protect Giuseppe in the fullest ability, she had to not only protect him from the inside, but the out. The soap was for the outside. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll talk about the inside in a second. The first murder that she did was Faustina Setti. And I'm going to show you the pictures right now. Go to uh, talkmer.com to see these pictures. So this is her right here. Faustina mm. Setti. 
She's not marriage material. In Italy at this time, if you're 20-something and not married, it's an embarrassment. If you're 30-something and not married, it's a travesty. If you're 40 and something and not married, uh, that's, that's, you know, unacceptable. And that's who she was. She's Mm -hmm. 40-something, not married, have never been married. She's still a virgin. It's okay, girl. It's okay. She's still pure. She's just, you know, not ever been married. Right. Her grapes are a little bit more ripe than anyone else's. She would, for the last few months, she was a customer at the soap shop first, but then she started doing the fortune telling. Mm-hmm. And she really liked it because Leonardo's soap was known throughout Italy, but her fortune telling was known throughout the small town. Right. And everything that she would say, since she was so good at it, she read all these books, would usually come true. I mean, it wasn't like she was actually telling the future. It was that she was making a really good guess about what was about to happen. Generalizations. And it was usually coming true. So she was getting a lot of business, including this lady, Fascina. She comes in there complaining about a marriage she wants to get married it's way too late i'm still a virgin it's i'm 40 something that's okay hey girl hey girl guess what girl what girl i found you a hubby that's exactly what she said i found you a husband a man a very wealthy and very attractive man in pola which is now croatia hmm this man has seen your picture and he fell madly, deeply. Oh, God, I got to have you right now in love with you, girlfriend. And I've been on your behalf sending him letters, love letters for you. Oh, and we've been nice corresponding and he wants to meet you and marry you immediately. So without further ado, please show up at my house with your bags packed and those letters written out to your friends and family. And and Faustina's like, well, why can't I just oh, wow. give him the letters now, you know, or put them somewhere? Because what Leonardo does is after she kills the person, then she mails them out over the next few weeks, you know, at different intervals. So it doesn't seem like, you know, she's just dead, right? right. That she's still writing and stuff like that. She brings all her stuff over and she's ready to to do this. She's ready to actually... Move down to Croatia and get married for the first time. Hmm. Now, before she did that, because, you know, you're traveling and all this stuff and we really don't, I don't want anyone to rob you. So can you just transfer all your savings and all your stuff over to me? And then when you get there, you know, I'll send it to you, stuff like that. You guys understand that. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just It's like an escrow account. Okay. This is from uh, the book we read earlier, uh, which I forgot what it was called. The Curse by Ryan Green. There was no way out but through. Leonardo swung the axe again and again. Pieces of Faustina fell onto the tile floor. Chunks of meat and bone. There was so much blood. It felt like Leonardo might drown in it. Her face was soaked by arterial spray, her tears cutting tracks down through it as she hacked at Faustina's body again and again. This was the first murder, but Faustina wouldn't die. In fact, she was moaning. It was this horrible whining uh. moan she talks about it in her journals but it's like Aah! and at each hack the moans would just keep going Aah! Aah! like these moans Ooh. and eventually she just went haywire and just started chopping like she's chopping wood now this was the first kill that she's did and she's not killing because she's a maniac or whatever she needs the blood the blood is what's going to be put in this potion. The blood is what's going to save Giuseppe. Mm. She needs the blood. Okay. It's her sacrifice. Why wouldn't she just die? There were four separate pieces of her on the floor already. How could she still be screaming? Oh my goodness. She hung the four body parts up to drain the blood in the buckets. This is one thing she did wrong. She didn't put out the buckets soon enough so the blood that occurred on the floor had dust bunnies dirt you know whatever you can't put that shit into a potion of purity and of of this potion that's going to save giuseppe you can't put that in there Mm -hmm. so she hung these parts up to get more blood out because she didn't have enough she did find out that if she take one of these four pieces because i mean she like had a quarter of a pail you know you think of a pail Mm -hmm. like a wooden pail Only a quarter of the bottom of that was filled with blood. 
Oh, and that's not enough for the potion. She needs the whole thing. So she's taking like a leg off the hook, the meat hook. And Mm -hmm. she's basically like putting, maybe he's flopping the arm over the shoulder. Maybe the foot over the shoulder, you know, flopping it over the shoulder, like leverage. And she takes the the trunk of the leg or the arm and she just squeezes it, massages it and tries to drain this, the blood out like a sponge mm-hmm. into that pail. <laughs> it's fucking... Did it work? Did she get enough blood? Yeah, she's, she didn't get enough blood, no. But oh, it, so it, that's why she had to kill another person. Exactly, right. Ah. So she then puts the blood in the oven. She takes the remaining pieces and places them in Kha'Zix soda, which is kind of like... Uh, acid? Acid, yeah. She's not only making soap, she's got to get rid of the body somehow. And in her store, she didn't just make soap. She made candles and she made tea cakes. Ooh. Oh, no. I used to mix human blood with chocolate and add an exquisite flavor made of tangerine and anise seed, vanilla and cinnamon, she wrote. Sometimes I added a sprinkling of powder from human bones. So Protein. She's making these tea cakes. Now, I remember I said the potion... The specific recipe that she wants to use to save Giuseppe, he's got to be, he's like Achilles, right? You bathe him and he's completely invincible. It's the same thing with Giuseppe. But if you just do the inside, if you just do the outside with soap, yeah, his, his outside is safe. But what about the inside? That's why he's got to eat it. That's why he's got to eat these tea cakes. You see what I'm saying? Got it. Outside and inside is very important. She also made candles. Now, this is just so she could use up all of the body. So she made tea cakes, soap. And now these are people coming in. Like, her shop was filled every morning. It's like a, uh, I mean, it's it's like uh, like one of those uh, bagel, it's like one of those bagel shops. This is like Sweeney Todd, but not. It's like uh, Brewster's Bagels or whatever. Brewster's, Brugers. Brugers Bagels. You go in there and there's all these Delicious bagels. bagels. People were always in there getting coffee and bagels. People were eating yeah. these tea cakes and be like, wow, this is fucking delicious. That's because Brugger's has quality <laughs> bagels. And you know what? There are not enough quality bagel places around Charleston. I then cut the body in nine pieces, which I put into a cauldron in which soda was boiling. I made an interesting experiment. I plunged in a ladle and picked out a substance of soapy appearance. As a matter of fact, the flesh had been converted into a sort of wax in which I fixed a wick. And made a perfect candle, which I lighted. Greatness of God, what a superb flame. Oh, dear Lord, that makes me really rethink my candle problem. Look at that girl. Next. Clementina. She has has a lazy eye. This is the next victim. Her name is Clementina, but is also, her name was pronounced Francesca. 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 Sovi. She's actually a school teacher from Correggio. Now, no, the first murder that we talked about in this episode, that was the last one. You understand that, right? That yeah, was the correct. last one, right, for the bathe. The opera, bathing. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, wanted yeah. to bring the, the whole bathing yeah, in we got first. You. Yeah. So this is the second. Okay. All right. So this is the last one we're talking about today. Francesca. Francesca. Uh, Francesca. She was a school teacher in Correggio. She retired early because her, her husband was actually really sick mm-hmm. and he was dying. Mm-hmm. And that's not good because. Yeah, definitely not. In this society, like the husband is usually the one that works. It's a patriarchy. And it's a patriarchy. So, you know, everyone's really sad for her, but you know what now? Like you, you got to make a living. Mm hmm. Well, she's a teacher. She didn't have any children, and she was well-liked. Now, the reason she brought this victim in is because the first batch did not work out right. The soap, the mixture was all, most of it she poured out. It was too sloppy. It didn't, the consistency wasn't right and all this stuff. I mean, she did make a little bit of cakes, but it wasn't the one that's going to actually break the curse and completely save Giuseppe inside Mm -hmm. and out. How does she know the difference? Uh, She just knows. I mean, she's into the mysticism. The exchange, she said, wasn't equal. You know, the equivalent exchange ratio Mm -hmm. that these alchemists did, right? Now, this is in August 1940. This is actually three months before Giuseppe ships off to war. So she needs to hurry up. They're pretty good friends. She was a customer at first, but then she starts doing the fortune telling. Leonardo is giving her advice and stuff like that. One day she comes in there and she's like, hey, girl, you will never believe what I just did for you. What? And she says, there's this elite private school 
in Switzerland. Mm. That is the elite of the elite. Sounds like a Swiss bank account. The ve- and now she's a teacher, remember. The very noble, only the most noblest people go there. High class, high society. The hiring is very private and invitation only because it's like in the mountains and you yeah, know, very yeah. like hush, hush, all the rich people Plus go there. Plus the war yeah. and like the sound of music, like... Now, obviously, the hills are alive. The whole time she's has correspondence that she's showing to Francesca written from this academy, this elite school, which is Mm -hmm. completely made up. But this is where Leonardo and her mother seeing her mother, you know, and her quirks with the high life. Right. Because she came from nobility. This is where that came into play. Now, she's writing as she was. From the school of high wealth. Right. She kind of knows she how to do it. it. Yeah. She faked it. And she was showing Frances- Francesca all this stuff and she bought it. So basically same routine. MO is the same. They bring all their stuff, transfer all the wealth, bring all your stuff over here, drink the wine. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. This is September 5th, 1940 when this happens. This time, second time around, she lines these basins up, hmm. which catch the blood, right? Because the blood... Was all fucked up last time because all over the floor. And we right. can't use that blood. We need mm-hmm. fresh blood. Detailing the killing of her friend, Francesca Savi, Leonardo related that while my victim was drinking the elixir I'd prepared, I got a hold of an axe, placed myself behind Francesca, and summoning all my strength, struck the back of her neck. A rattle, nothing else. It was a master stroke that almost beheaded Francesca. Okay, that was um, from the Baltimore Sun, April 28th, 1946. The murder right before this, the one that, that didn't work, she couldn't even really make soap out of it because this the girl was too skinny. Mm-hmm. This girl right here, Francesca, 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 she had this yellow layer of fat. Well, I mean, she had to obviously peel back the skin mm-hmm. to get the fat, but that uh, fat that you got. She used that. I think it's called visceral fat. Mm. She used that and it made an and it made awesome soap. That's basically the story. And this is the last thing I want you to read. This is from her journal, her memoirs. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the whole mixture until the pieces dissolved into a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied into a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to all the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe also ate them. I gave the copper ladle, which I used to skim the fat off the kettles, to my country, which was so badly in need of metal during the last days of the war. So she eventually gets caught because... The first, the first murder that we talked about in this, her actual last murder, right. Virginia, her stepbrother came and was asking questions and the police came and all this stuff. Mm. The reason she actually got caught, because there's no body, there's nothing. I mean, the evidence was consumed by the town. I mean, right. everyone's eating it and burning it in candles and using it to wipe their booty hole in the shower. I mean, you know, the evidence is spread out. This reminds me of the pig guy. Mm. But... Giuseppe was actually the prime suspect and the police were interrogating him over and over mm. and over and over and over. Because a woman couldn't possibly do exactly. this. Exactly. So eventually Leonardo ran into the station and admitted everything right there. Hmm. Let my boy go. He had nothing to do with it. Because in her mind, it was it the doesn't curse. matter. No, it was it, the curse. This if he is took actually him. a very good ending. For her, because who cares what happened to her? She beat the curse. The last woman, Virginia, the tea, cakes, and the soap were of exquisite quality. And she was assured that after the son ate it, and that's that, and after she bathed him in it, like when we first started, Mm -hmm. that when she bathed him in Mm -hmm. the bathtub that night, that was the moment when the curse has broken. He ate right before he went into the bath. She bathed him. And after that, it doesn't matter what happens to her. She beat the curse. So it's a very happy ending to the story. Well, I mean, except for the people that had to die for it. Well, yeah. But what do you guys think? 
Whoa, that was a... So did she spend her life in prison? She didn't spend her life in prison, no. She she actually was arrested and she spent 30 years in prison and three years in... Solitary? The insane asylum. The insane asylum, right? So ah. that, <laughs> so that, it came and true. she did actually. So the outlive, curse wasn't broken. She <laughs> did outlive her kids, which is crazy. She actually died in 1970. Whoa! Yeah. Damn. So she lived. What? She was like fucking 85 yeah. years old. So she did outlive her kids. Wow. And she is forever known as a soap maker of Corrigio. She also has a few other names, which I can't so pronounce. So she didn't break the curse after all. I know she did true. because the son survived. No, but she still outlived them. So that's it. That's the story. That's my soap story. Wow. Your soap opera. What do you guys think? <laughs> that was a good one. I liked that one. You know, no, I really liked that one. No, that I was thought it different. Was, it was unique. Unique New York. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our TK, go to talkmer.com slash join, become a Talko Supremo, get a badass t-shirt, sticker swag, a lot of love, shout it out. All over the place, tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate to you on Talk Murder Me Podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole, and until next time... You don't want to wash your mouth out with this soap. I want some ice cream. Baby, no. No. You're not going to tell me what to own, For all you guys listening in your earbuds, turn that shit up, even if you're driving them trucks. And if you're sensitive to hearing, maybe not so loud, but like just enough so you can hear him. Yeah. Bye! That's like, you know, like at concerts, I always have to wear earplugs because if I don't wear them, the the pitch is off. I think I've said this before, probably. The pitch is off? Yeah. Like, like, all right. So the first time I saw Lady Gaga live, like I was very, very disappointed because I didn't know that I had this problem. I was at the TD Garden. (laughs) And she said off pitch. (laughs) No, no, she wasn't. She wasn't off pitch, but her flat. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, she was she okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. She was perfect. She was she was perfect. But I didn't know that until after I watched the videos that I took because in in the moment when I was in the in the arena, she sounded like a gerbil, like a hamster. Like I'm not going to reheat those meatballs for you that I made last night. I don't know. want them meatballs. The meatballs are out. I'm you... giving them the herbs to Mars. Oh, I'll can't. eat them. I would eat meatballs if you're going to give them to the dogs. Yeah, but please don't try to kill no, me. No, I don't try, but would if you give happens, us your consent yeah. if you die, we can make you into soap? I mean, I'm a an ogre organ <laughs> I'm an ogre donor. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in my swamp? No. You up in hell, so me and Nicole in hell. I don't think I'm going to heaven. I'm no, you're not, because as soon as you fly up there, me and Nicole is going to grab your feet and pull you back down. <laughs> you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> We're all in this no, together. You I'm had glad a, you guys are committed to you this. You had a murder podcast, Jen. Where the fuck you think you're going? I'll be, I'll be in purgatory, like, just chilling. <laughs>